Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I have been waiting literally for this series all year. It's one of the things I've been most excited for because I think it's such a real conversation to have. You know, these stories that we're seeing, you know, these testimony videos are kind of the stories that we sweep under the rug. We don't really tell anyone and we don't really share very much about. And I think not according to plan, we're more inclined to share, you know, we share the stuff that goes good for our lives and, you know, so we should. We, you know, highlight real that. But the, um, the stuff that doesn't go according to plan, I know in my life at least, I'm more likely to sort of, you know, try and like sweep that away. I'm not going to tell as many people about that. Yet... The not according to plan in my life is the stuff that I'm most impacted by, I'm most affected by, it hurts me the most, it makes me ask questions the most and so I think it's a really real cool conversation to be having and so I'm excited to be sharing in this instalment tonight and uh, if it is your first time here with us this evening, I'm extra glad that you have joined us here. I'm sure you'll find some gold out of it and hopefully you've enjoyed the service um, thus far. It's a, uh, it's a funny series, this one, as well, because um, it, what happens at the Suncoast team, whenever we're in the middle of a series, it becomes like our brand new catch cry for the season. Um, and so at the moment, not according to plan is like our new mantra. So, you know, say we're preparing for Sundays or we're, uh, you know, rehearsing here and something happens like, oh, not according to plan, like just oh, not according to plan. And the more that we've been saying it, oh, not according to plan, we're like, the more we realize like a lot doesn't go according to plan in the big and in the small. I think Joe said a few weeks ago when she hosted that if you have small children, it's not going to go according to plan for you in the morning. And, uh, and so it's funny to realize in the very small of our lives, things don't go according to plan. And these things can drive us crazy. Even in the small drives, it's crazy. And I don't know what your most crazy thing that you get driven by that just, you know, when stuff doesn't go according to plan and your railroad, maybe it's like, I don't know, burnt toast not going according to plan or like the coffee shot doesn't go long enough. Not according to plan, oh my goodness. Um, but I was thinking about what drives me the crazy that's like a small not according to plan but like is my most irritating, you know, on the scale of like, oh, that's slightly annoying to my goodness, I'm tearing my hair out irritating. Um, I think for me... The thing that I find most annoying when it doesn't go according to plan is when I go to my GP for a doctor's appointment. Now, I know that seems very silly, and you probably can't relate if your doctor's awesome and you get in on time. My problem is my doctor is never, ever, 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 ever on time. They're good doctors, so that's why, you know, I go and see them. But they're literally never, ever, 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 ever on time. And wasting time at the doctor's is my most irritating thing that I can't stand beyond reason. Like, why are you late? Like, come on, just be on time. It's not that high. You know, you ring up or you book online, you make the appointment for a certain time, and then you arrive, you let them yourself be known at the desk because that's what you do, even though I go there all the time, and especially now I have a kid, I live there. And you let, you know, hi, I'm, I'm Chloe. Here to see the doctor. And then you ask the question. So are they running on time? Like the question mark in your voice. And then it always comes back. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they shouldn't be too long, like every time. Liars. And then, you you know, you pick the least germy chair in the reception. (laughs) 
Where am I going to sit? Not you, you're coughing. Not you, you look pale. Like, go to this chair over here on its own. And please, the last person that sat here, don't have had a bowler. <laughs> no swine flu tonight. <laughs> and then you sit in your jammy old chair. And five minutes goes by. You're like, hello. And then you can't touch a magazine because that's swine flu, like, instantly. Ten minutes goes by. And if you're with a kid, it's extra fun. You're like, you can't touch those toys because that's like a recipe for catching a disease and we'll be back here another week. <laughs> and so I'm like, why do you put toys in a doctor's waiting room? Like, nice gesture, but there's no way I'm touching them. <laughs> and then 15 minutes goes by. No one's come out yet, by the way, as well. And then the time keeps ticking on and on and on. And generally, it's about an hour before I'm in to see my GP, which is so irritating. And the whole time that I've been there, like two people have come out. And they're like, what do you have to talk to the doctor about for this long? What ailments? Or if you made an appointment, you've totally lied. And you've gone in there for like, oh, yeah, it's just a quick thing. And you're like, you know, half an hour later, I'm in, I'm out of that GP. I'm like, so fast, so in. Like, I don't want to be hanging around in the doctors as long as I can. Because it's such a germy, yucky environment. It just sends my anxiety through the roof. It drives me crazy. And so places that I want to waste time and be for an hour, it's not the GP waiting room. It makes me anxious. It makes me stressed. It makes me frustrated. It makes me angry that I'm not in there on time. And you know the one time that you get there on time, you know, the one time that you're late, they're going to be, you know, smack bang on time. But the thing that's most frustrating about that experience in the GP waiting room is because that waiting room is not where you want to be. You know, I haven't rung up the doctors to be like, hey, can I just come and chill in there for an hour? It'd be fun, you know, just think about my life, listen to a podcast I downloaded. You know, we don't take that opportunity. We're not like, yes, I have some time here. We're so frustrated because the place that we're in is not the place that we want to be. We're in a waiting room before we can get to our goal. And isn't life a lot like a series of waiting rooms for us? Not necessarily a physical waiting room that we go in a GP, but as a state of being. In life, we seem to experience waiting rooms of life, where we're in a place where we're not where we want to be. We're there for an undisclosed amount of time. We're waiting for our name to be called, essentially, and go through to that next stage. You know, you graduated. (laughs) See you, suckers. But we're not where we want to be in that moment and we're angry. We're not, you know, taking it on, okay, it's okay, I'll be fine. I'm just going to take the the bad here, you know, I'll just deal with it. We get frustrated because we're not where we want to be. And life's waiting room is just like that. Life is full of waiting rooms for us all. You know, we could be waiting for a result, waiting for change, waiting for the tide to turn, waiting for the wind to go our way waiting for money to fall from heaven, waiting for that job, waiting for that relationship, waiting for that relationship to be restored, waiting for that house, that's our case, waiting for a house for like 18 months. Hello. (laughs) First word problems, hey? (laughs) But really, ultimately, you're waiting for your prayers to be answered. Before you're in a waiting room, you're waiting for the prayers to be answered, waiting for the desires of your heart to come to fruition. But there's that period of time before that happens. And it's kind of a period of time where it's not really according to plan yet. And so tonight I sort of want to talk about the yet part of how do we respond, how do we act in a waiting room period of our lives where we've booked our appointment, you know, we know what we want, 
but we're not where we want to be. How do we respond? How do we react? How do we get better from a waiting room season, not worse? And <clears throat> I'm excited to share into this in the not according to plan installation. I think my most frustrating times of my life has been a waiting room period, honestly. Kind of like asking all of the questions of the world and it, like, God, where are you? What am I doing what? What am I doing wrong? Who am I? You know, the, all the questions come up in a waiting room season of life. But we sort of don't really talk about this period of time. You know, we sort of talk about the start. We sort of talk about the end. But I love this series because we're sort of talking about, okay, not according to plan. How do I deal with that? And so tonight, we are going to talk about how to do a waiting room well. And we're going to learn from a biblical story <coughs> about a group of people found in the book of Deuteronomy. And, ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I sort of deliberated a lot about what to share. This Bible is so full of really inspirational people who did waiting well. And you can go there, you know, find anywhere for a source of inspiration. But I chose the Deuteronomy passage because it's a personal one to me and one that's really encouraged me in waiting room seasons of my life. And so, you know what, I'm like, that's probably the perfect one then. Um, and so we're going to go into Deuteronomy, but I'm going to give you a little background first so you know you know, where we find these people now and why they're in a waiting room season. So basically, you know, we catch up with Moses. You guys know Moses? So Moses is so famous, he even made it into The Simpsons, you know? Like his story is a pretty well-known one. And the whole let my people go. So Moses basically, he went into Egypt, well, he was in Egypt. He freed the Israelite people from a slave condition that they were in. I'm sure you know this story really well. This isn't the story we're focusing on, but this is where these people were from. So these Israelite people were freed. Moses like, come on, guys, let's go. And he led them to victory and off they went into this place. And so, you know, they're sort of on their journey and they had these hills that God had promised them and said, okay, you know, you're going to be out of this slave condition here. And where we're going is we're going to these hills. And so we pick up in the story here. We're going to read in uh, the first chapter of Deuteronomy. And um, Deuteronomy is an Old Testament passage found at the front, towards the front there. And we pick up in verse 26 when um, a bunch of, you know, some crew went out to, you know, check out the land that God had promised them. And they came back and they're like, hey, it's not what we thought it was going to look like. There's people there. I got all confused because the land that was supposed to be for them had a bunch of people in it. And they're like, this isn't free. Like, what's the go here? And so where this verse catches up with them is their response to finding the people um, in the hills there that they thought was just theirs for the taking. And so verse 26 goes. I think it's going to come up on the screen perhaps because it's pretty long. So... It says here, but you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and you said, the Lord hates us. So he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. These are the people that were in the hills. The Amorites were in the hills when they went to check out their hills that they were in. Next slide. Perfect. They said, where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. And they say, the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the giants there. Next slide. Perfect. Then I said to you, do not be terrified. Do not be afraid of you. The Lord who is going before you will fight for you as he did in Egypt before your very eyes and in the wilderness. 
There you saw how the Lord carried you as a father carries his son all the way until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God. The first lesson that we can learn from this group of people in their waiting room season is this, how quickly you forget. I feel like God would have been going to these people, oh my goodness, are you serious? How quickly you forget. Like, did you not just see what I did? Like, you guys were slaves. Do you remember that time that you were slaves? But they, like, get to this new place and they see these people in the hills they thought were theirs. And they're like, oh, the Lord hates us. The Lord hates us. Like, dramatic much? We're um, catching up with myself here. (laughs) Yeah, he brought us out of Egypt just to give us to these guys. The people are stronger. I feel like God would have been going, hello, don't you remember the miracle that I did for you in Egypt? Remember when you were slaves? And I used the person of Moses to free you from that slave condition that you were in. It's a bit like that phenomena where you get a hundred compliments. Someone's like, your hair looks great, your hair looks great, your hair looks great. And you're like, yeah, it's looking great. And you get that one negative, comp- you know, that your hair's not looking great today. The one thing that you focus on the most is that one negative thing that someone said to you. How quickly we forget the good in our lives. How quickly we forget the good that God has done in our lives before. There is something about a waiting room period where the size of our world can shrink to the size of our problem. And that can be the only thing that matters to us, that changes our perspective. It changes the lens that we see through. And how quickly we forget because our world has shrunk to the size of that problem. For this group of people here, the problem was that these people were occupying the hills and they were scared of them. And how quickly they forgot, you know, you were literally a slave just like a couple minutes ago. It wasn't that long ago that you were a slave. But yet, straight away, their world shrunk to the size of that problem. They forgot all the good that God had done in our lives. The thing about when our waiting room period shrinks to the size of our world, it produces doubting emotions, it produces skeptical emotions, it produces cynical emotions. And I know so many times I've been like this in my life where I've had waiting room periods and I'm just like these people, God, why do you hate me? Maybe not that dramatic. But I'm still asking that question, you know, like have I done something wrong, God? Like why am I going through this? I just went through that. Why am I going through this here? And how quickly we forget the good that's in our lives. I'm these people all over again, Um, you know, up there with really irritating, annoying, time-wasting, not according to plan things, and this might be your one, is being stuck on the Bruce Highway in traffic. My goodness, you probably are more than than a GP. I hate germs, and so GPs are like, I'd rather be in a clean, nice car. That's mine. That's fine. Um, But I hate being stuck on the Bruce Highway in traffic, and you know traffic is bad, when you can see the detail on the road. Like, I don't want to know what road looks like. We shouldn't know that level of detail of road to know, oh, that's how it actually is made and there's bumps in it. It's not just this big smooth surface. <laughs> no, I want to know. I want road just to be a blur. But the funny thing, you know, the phenomena that happens when we're stuck in traffic, you know, we're not grateful to be stuck in traffic at all and we're like getting angry and annoyed because we have somewhere that we want to be. What happens when you look up and you look at the other cars on the other side of the road coming past you so quickly? You see those other cars moving and you're like, you think you're so good just because you're moving? Look at you driving at 110, whatever. My car is better than yours. Like, 
Who do you think you are? And we become so angry at the cars on the other side of the road. They're our enemy. Like We're like so mad at them, even though they're totally doing nothing. You instantly hate them because they're moving and you're not. And the comparison trap in a waiting room season is an easy trap to fall into. When your world shrinks to the size of your problem, your emotions towards people that don't have that problem can be impaired. The thing about that is, though, being resentful about the cars moving on the other side of the road doesn't make your problem go away. Wishing that you were the car on the other side of the road doesn't make your problem go away. I've learned during my time dealing with roadblocks ahead, and, you know, that accident was probably like five days ago, you know, that we're still stuck by... (laughs) But I have learnt that regardless of my desire to be somewhere else, I have to find a way of staying in my lane and just being like, this is my lane that I have to drive in. I have to deal with this lane and this is my road driving. And one day you'll be the other car moving forward and the others will be stuck. But while we're stuck in traffic, while life's not moving as we thought it would, don't forget that God is the good that God has done in our lives before. We can so easily look at what we don't have compared to what we have and this is a lesson for all of us this isn't even just a christian thing this is just a good thing the egypt the israel israelites could have been celebrating their freedom they could have been partying they could have been ecstatic at the place they were you know like okay this is a challenge but at least we're not slaves anymore instead they had a more negative perspective where they sort of forgot the good that God had done in their lives before and had the faith that he could possibly do it again. <clears throat> At the start of this passage here, it talked about how, you know, they were complaining about how they were delivered into the hands of the Amorites and going, where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are and the cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw giants there. The second lesson that we can learn from this group of people is that our actions can keep us in the waiting room season longer than we need to be there. You hear it here, you know, they're fearful. They go, our brothers have made our hearts, you know, the people are stronger and taller than we are and their cities and walls, you know, the walls are up to the sky and they were afraid to move forward. Despite the promise, despite the green lights, despite the fact that that was the place that they were supposed to go, fear kept them captive in a place where they could have been moving forward from. And I'm sure in our lives, with the things that we're facing, the things that we're going through, I'm sure we have our own versions of the people are tall and large, the walls are up to the sky. We're going to have our versions of that in the problems that we're facing. When we have something we are facing, we're so good at seeing all of the problems and the potential. We don't see opportunity, we see worry. We see a bleak future where others see bright. And this could be doubting your abilities, doubting your potential, doubting call on your life. It could be the desire to impress others. It could be keeping up with the Joneses. It could be fear. But I think in a waiting room period of time, half of my problems in a waiting room period was not actually the problem, but my emotions of the problem, if that makes sense. So in a waiting room season, the question to ask is, is the problem the problem more than your emotions to the problem are? Kind of like a tongue twister. (laughs) But the problem needs to be the problem more than our emotions to the problem because the thing is they they just had fear. They got stuck in the place they are because they had a crazy amount of fear. And emotions are real. I'm not saying emotions are a bad thing. 
emotions are real and disappointment's real, unmet expectations are real and, you know, like loss, loss is very real. All of these things are real. But when our emotions become bigger than the waiting room goal, that can be an issue. God wanted to move them forward. God wanted to take them to this place. They were on a journey, but they came stuck in this place from their fear, from their lack of confidence, from their doubt of their abilities, from their doubt in God. They became stuck in a place that they had the ability to move on from. In a waiting room period where our emotions can seem so big, it's important to remember this, that allow a waiting room period and your emotions to develop you, then break you. When you're in the waiting room, the thing I've learned is you never know what's happening behind the scenes. Waiting rooms made me ready for battle. You know, we can become annoyed at the period of time of a waiting room. But half of the things in my life that I navigate, I never could have navigated without that waiting room period that was used to develop me. I don't think that God necessarily like puts us in waiting rooms on purpose. Like, here you go, you need to like chill out and have some time out. But I think God uses a waiting room period. I think God uses a waiting room period to develop us, to bring out characteristics in us that couldn't have been brought out otherwise. I'm so grateful for the things in my life that I had to actually fight for and work for and not just got handed to me on a silver platter. And so it's funny because I become grateful for the waiting room period, for the responses that I had, for the emotions that I went through. Like I'm glad that a waiting room period developed me, then broke me. And uh, I think as well we need to make sure that in a waiting room period, bitter and resentful doesn't become a permanent adaption. It just becomes a moment. It's okay to experience bad emotions. It's okay to feel disappointed. It's okay to feel angry at God. But I've seen so many people go through a waiting room period of their life and these emotions become their default. Their problem changes, they move on, but the emotions come with them. Their, their interpretation of the experience goes with them. And they bring with them bitterness. They bring with them resentfulness. And it doesn't stay where it was supposed to stay. It's just a, a moment as a response to a situation. It keeps following them. It changes their lives. Do you know it was 40 years? It was 40 years between when the Israelites were freed from slavery to when they got to the land that God had promised them. 40 years. Spent all that time as a slave only to spend another 40 years waiting for this land that was their promised land, their hills over there. And that was a journey that should have only taken them two weeks. I've been to Israel and I've been to Egypt. Like, they're really not that far. Did we fly from Israel to Egypt? No, we flew from Turkey to Israel. It's so funny. When you fly from Turkey to Israel, they um, wait for you at the end of the plane because they don't like where you're coming from. And when we were there, we got pulled aside because Jonathan, he was looking so much darker. And I was so pale because I was English, like super pale. And uh, so they grabbed us and pulled us aside because they thought that he was like a Middle Eastern guy with a white woman there, like raising the alarm bell. So we got like five interrogations before we actually got out of the airport to go and visit Israel. So funny. It was like definitely a crazy experience. Um, But what could have taken them two weeks from the slave condition they were in, finding freedom, to going to the land that that was made for them, took 40 years because they were stuck in a place because their actions kept them there. And I think that's such a great lesson to be learned there. We're going to carry on now in the scripture here and says in verse 32, I've got my actual Bible with me because it's really pretty. 
And also then I can like look at everything really quickly and I know where it all is. Stephen didn't know what it was because he uses on his phone. (laughs) 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 Going old school. (laughs) We carry on. In verse 32, we're picking up again. In spite of this, you did not trust the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way that you should go. In a waiting room season, we see not only is God with us in our seasons, and we saw this here. He was so patient with them and counselling them and going, okay, you're not ready to move forward. Let's work on that. And he stayed with them. It wasn't like he was like, okay, you work that out and I'll be here. I'm waiting for you out here. We see not only is God committed to us in a waiting room season, but he was also ahead of them on the season. It says here, he was searching out places. He, God went ahead of you on your journey to search out places for you to camp by the fire, by night and cloud by day to search out places for you to camp and show you the way that you should go. Not only is God with you in the waiting room season, he is also ahead of you in the waiting room season. This scripture here has brought me honestly the most comfort I think of anything. Just shows you how you can navigate this waiting room period. And it's personal to me because I was in, um, when we moved over to London, Jono and I did, we did it like we call it a sabbatical. And uh, we went over to a year for London just to go and have that experience. Actually, our lives were too easy here, we decided. We thought we've got everything handed to us on a silver platter. And if we don't go and push ourselves a bit more, then we'll probably just get complacent and not grow a whole bunch. So we're like, you know what, we actually want to go. We actually want to go and grow intentionally. And so we set off to London to go and stretch ourselves. And stretch ourselves we did. And um, we were in London and Jono had gotten a job and, uh, and I didn't. I was still looking for a job. And I was also alone. I didn't know anyone in this city. I didn't know how the city worked as well. Everything in a foreign country is completely different to how it works here. And England, such a progressive country, is so frustrating to deal with. And so I didn't know how to get about in England. And so I found myself just staying home a lot, waiting for a job opportunity to come about, looking in a bunch of different places. And You know, for the first time in my life, I've always been surrounded by family here and I have so many friends and I have this community I've been a part of and suddenly for the first time in my life, I was terribly alone. And I didn't know how it was going to turn out for me. I didn't know when a job was going to come about. Didn't know if I'd make any friends. Didn't know if I'd actually like the church that we were going to go to. And I know it sounds like silly, like it's such a small thing, but to me it was a really big thing. I was only like 24, 25 or something like that, and so this was like a big deal. And so I remember, you know, all I had in those times was a Bible because I didn't really know what else to do, and so I'm like, surely there must be answers in here for something for me. Surely there must be some sort of comfort in here. This is what I've heard. I've been in church all my life. Surely I'll find some sort of comfort. And I found these verses here. And suddenly in my story, I didn't feel so alone. Suddenly in my waiting room period, my perspective changed. Because not only did this story tell me that I wasn't alone, it also told me that there was someone ahead of me. It told me that there was someone who cared about where I was going when I felt lost and had no idea where I was going. I was so comforted 
by this scripture because not only, God, were you in the midst of my situation, but you knew where I was going. You know, my husband, he loves bushwalking. I'm sure you've heard about it. If you've been around here anytime, you've heard about his adventures and he's an adventure junkie and I am not. I am not an adventure junkie. I'm, I married, like, when he, we got married, I married him. He loved his lattes and he liked restaurant hopping. And then we got married and he read that stupid Bear Grylls book. And I married Bear Grylls. And then he's trying to make me go on adventures. And I'm like, I didn't marry Bear Grylls. Like, I didn't want him. I wanted to marry Latte Guy. Like, can I see Latte Guy again? But anyway, he read Bear Grylls and he fell in love with Bear Grylls. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then periodically he'll try and convince me to come out for a walk with him to go on an adventure. And, you know, you can only deny someone for so long. Like, no, 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 no. You come and do what I want to do. And then eventually, eventually, he'll wear me down and I'll agree, okay, we'll go for a walk somewhere. But I hate, hate going bushwalking because I'm terrified of snakes. I'm terrified of anything in the bush that moves. I just don't like being in the bush. So whenever we go for a bushwalk, can you guess where he has to walk? He's walking in front of me. The entire time. Come on, baby, stand up. He's walking in front of me because he sees the danger before it's coming. I can follow behind him safely. Don't do that. <laughs> I'm making a point. I can, he can go ahead of me on this journey and I follow safely behind him along the way. And that doesn't mean that the danger doesn't exist. It doesn't mean the danger's not there. The snakes are still out there, but he sees the snakes before I get there. He sees the danger before I get there. And this is a picture of Jesus to us. That you can walk safely behind his footsteps and you can follow him. And the danger is still going to be out there. You're still going to have stuff that happens in your life. But he is ahead of you on your footsteps. And you can follow safely behind him. You can feel so comforted by Jesus in front of you, paving the way. And feel comforted that he is searching out places for you to camp. He cares enough about you and your life to show you the way, fire by night, clouds by day, so you can come safely behind in his footsteps. Because God not only cares about the waiting room season that we're in and wants to sit in us in our waiting room season, he wants to bring comfort to us in our waiting room season. He wants to help our dysfunction in our waiting room season. You know, maybe you're like that person, The what are they called? Maybe you're like the Israelite people in this scripture. And you're in a waiting room season and there's some dysfunction that God needs to deal with in this season for you. Let him deal with that dis dysfunction. Help him deal with that dysfunction so you can keep moving forward. And maybe you just need the comfort of a waiting room in a waiting room season of a Savior who loves you and who wants to lead the way for you, who wants to create a safe path for you to walk safely behind his footsteps. You know, if you're not a Christian here, you're probably like, what is this crazy lady on about? <laughs> but my point to you would be that you don't have to do this life alone. And so often we do life alone so unnecessarily. And so many of us in this room have stories about trying life without Jesus. And it goes infinitely worse. Jesus is a partner that wants to walk through you 
with you in life, through your waiting room seasons and out of your waiting room seasons. And it just seems inconceivable. It really does. It sounds crazy. It seems inconceivable until you actually give it a go. And so if you're not a Christian here tonight, I'd I'd encourage you, give it a go. Because you have nothing to lose. Maybe a friend will go, oh, you're a Christian, really? In all my years of following Jesus, I've never once been ridiculed for being a Christian. You've just got everything to gain. And it's such a good life. Jesus is not only here to get us through our waiting room seasons. He's here to be in our waiting room seasons, to make us better, to refine us, and to help us along the journey. And so my encouragement to you if you're in a waiting room season would just be to don't feel alone. You're not alone in that germy-filled doctor's waiting room. There's a purpose to that season if you let it be. And there's a Jesus who wants to help you through that season and to your destination. I'd love to um, pray for you tonight. If you are in a waiting room season, and I know how frustrating that can be. I know how hurtful it can be. I know how sad it can be. I know how discouraging it can be. And so I'd love to, to pray with you. So why don't you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight. Jesus, just thank you that you see us all exactly where we're at, exactly what we're going through. God, you know. You know. And so tonight, those that are in a waiting room season, whatever it may be, thank you, Father, for the strength, the courage to get through this season. Thank you for helping them do the wait well. And God, thank you ultimately that they can feel safe that you are ahead of them in this journey, that you're creating a space for them to safely follow behind in your footsteps, Lord. Thank you for every single person here in the midst of a waiting room, God. Just bless them tonight, God. And just also, Lord, I pray for favor in their waiting room season, God. God, we're really believing through this series that waiting rooms are going to come to an end that names are going to be called for appointments, God, believing for your favor upon these lives, God. We thank you tonight. We bless them. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.